Good morning, everybody. We're going to get right into the Word today, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it's filled with life. I ask, sir, that you would just enlighten our hearts. You would cause your Word to lodge deep within our spirits. Holy Spirit, you are free to move in this service in whatever way that you would see fit. I pray, Lord God, that the things that you show your people in these days and in these weeks ahead, Lord God, that they would know how to keep the desires of the heart alive. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you this morning on how to fuel the desires of your heart. Brenda and I, of course, have been in the ministry for almost 40 years. And one of the questions that we get very often uh, from people is, you know, I'm just not sure, Pastor, that uh, I know what God wants me to do. And very oftentimes, you can ask this question and it will help people, and perhaps it will help you. And the question would be, is what desire is burning in your heart? What desire is burning in your heart? You see, the desires of your heart can really be a clear indicator of his will, of his plan, of his personal vision for your life. And so I want to encourage you to follow those desires that God places in your heart. Follow that fire, that which burns on the inside of you. And one thing you want to make sure is, is that you don't compare yourself with anyone else. Because you are unique. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so God has a unique plan for unique people like you and me. And so the plan that he has for my life is maybe different from Tony's life or Brother George's life. So you are wise if you do not compare yourself with another person. Now the children of Israel, they followed a cloud by day and a fire by night. And so as they followed that fire, it took them into their land of promise. Now I want you to notice a couple of scriptures this morning. So let's look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to look at verses 9 through 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now we show the Lord our love by simply obeying his commandments. You know, Jesus said in one of the gospels, he says, if a man love me, he will keep my words or he will be a doer of my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and we will make our abode with him. That is, we will manifest ourselves to him. Now, in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now I want you to read verse 12 with me. It says this, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So those things that are freely given to us of God 
can be assignments, things that He has called us to do, things that He has called us to walk in in this liver, little sliver of life that we have here on earth. How many of you know that time passes quickly? And we're not always going to be doing what we're doing this morning. Soon and very soon, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord, right? And so then we should be all in to do the will and do the plan of God. And so start then in these days, in this season, as we uh, build up to Vision Sunday, start then paying attention to the desires that form in your heart. And I believe this, that prayer, prayer is the first place to find them. It's the first place to start to find them. It is the first place to discover the desire that burns deeply within your heart that will take you on the path to fulfill your God-given destiny. Amen. 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 So one of the things that the Lord showed me recently Because, you know, there's a tendency uh, in man, and I think it's not just, uh, you know, me and myself, but I think it pertains to all of us. There's a tendency to try to reason things out. There's a tendency to try to think things out. And, uh, you know, you can know what God wants you to do. He can place those things on the inside of you. But what he wants you, you to do doesn't always compute with your head doesn't always compute with your reasoning, does it? And so we can know what God wants us to do, and then we go ahead and try to figure out how He's going to do it. Anybody ever been there? I'll raise both hands. And so then we need to be very careful then that we don't lean to our own understanding or lean to our reasoning, but just follow after the inner promptings and follow that which God has placed on the inside of you. You see, what God originates, He's well able to orchestrate. Hallelujah. Is He not? Yeah. So one of the things <laughs> that the Lord uh, spoke to me uh, a while back was, don't think things up, pray things out. Don't think it up, but pray it out. Have you discovered that when you get over in the presence of God, answers come quite easily? But when you're kind of striving and kind of reasoning and kind of tossing and turning and those different things, I mean, it, it, it doesn't work, does it? Look at your neighbor and say, don't think things up. Pray them out. So then pay attention to and follow the fire that begins to burn. Now, Jesus said this. He says, I don't seek my own will. I don't seek my own plan. I don't seek my own vision. But I seek the will, the plan, the vision of the Father who sent me. And so what Jesus is saying as an example to us is I am completely yielded to the Father's vision. I will only seek the will of the Father. I want you to make a declaration with me today. Declare this real strong. I'm a yielded vessel. To your will and to your plan. Yes, Lord, yes. I come to do your will. So the word yield then means to to give way, to give place, to surrender, to comply, to follow, and to submit. 
You know, you go across the, uh, you go down the highway and you get off and you see a yield sign. That means you give way, that you give place to the other car, that you surrender and you submit. And so I think that we will have great success in following the plan of God if we are a yielded vessel, if we have a tender heart toward his word and toward the spirit of the living God. Turn me to John chapter 16 and notice with me in verse 13. John 16, 13, reading from the Amplified, says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, the truth-giving Spirit comes, what will he do? He will guide you into all the truth. For he's not going to speak of his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father, He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you things that are to come that will happen in the future. And then in verse 14, he says, he will honor and glorify me. And read the rest with me. Because he will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine, and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it to you. So the more God-inside-minded we are, the more Holy Spirit-conscious we are, the more that we're going to be able to pick up on what He's revealing, what He's declaring, what He's disclosing, and what He is transmitting unto us. Amen. And so God communicates His plan, His vision for your life, through your spirit. Now, we've done extensive teaching over the years on how to be led by the Spirit of God. So we don't need to spend a lot of time there. But let me just quote to you a couple of scriptures concerning being led by the Spirit of God. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It doesn't say as many as are led by their head, or as many as are led by money, or even as many as are led by opportunity. Mm -mm. At the end of the day, it pays rich dividends to be led by the Spirit of God. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The word sons there means mature sons of God. So you know that you're growing up spiritually when you can pick up on the cues that the Spirit of God is giving you on the inside. Now, I remember years ago listening to a a tape series at that time by John Osteen. And he was talking about the spirit of man. And he said... To determine what the messages are from God, you've got to listen very carefully and pick up on the cues. What is God saying to you in your spirit? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God and the Spirit himself. He said, what signals are you picking up from God? The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the number one way that God's going to lead you and guide you into your personal vision, into what he has for your life, is by that inward witness. It is by an inward knowing. You see, the spirit of man, it's the candle of the Lord, and it is searching all the inward parts of the belly. Amen. Amen. And so pay attention to those signals that you're picking up on the inside of you. Now go quickly over to John, uh, over to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Philippians, the second chapter. How many of you know that God will give you a hunger to do his will? 
I mean, you'll be hungry to do the will and to do the plan of God. Now, if you don't have that hunger, ask for it. Amen? You know, there's been times in my life I've been hungrier for God than at other times. And when I've seen my hunger kind of be uh, at a little lower level, what I've done oftentimes is I say, Lord, make me hungrier still. Lord, give me an intense hunger for the things of God and for the plan of God. Amen. Now, in Philippians 2, verse 13, it says, not in your own strength. Thank God it's not. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and what else? He's energizing and he's putting in you or creating in you the power and desire to do what? Both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. That's awesome. Man, when you're working for him, when you're yoked up with him, you are in an awesome place in life. When you're walking in what he's called you to do, my brothers and sisters, there's nothing like it. Amen. There's absolutely nothing like it. Now, the Woos translation of that same verse says it like this. He said, for, it, for God is the one who is constantly putting his energy in you. You like that? Both in the form of your being desirous, both in the form of your being desirous, and you're doing his good pleasure. So then as you begin to pray about his plan and his purposes in your life, remember that one of the primary ways that he leads us is through the desires that he plants in your heart. You suppose, God, suppose God's a good planter? Has he put any godly desires in your heart? So... I've also discovered this, to really then open my heart and my life to godly desires, I must cultivate a desire for God. I must cultivate a desire for God. And when he is first place, and really I want to say it this way, and only when he is first place. Because if there is a a mixture of you know, him sometimes, and then the world at other times, and, you know, sometimes I'm spiritual, and other times I'm walking in carnality. If there is this fence walking, then it's very difficult to trust those things that have become planted in your heart. Because, quite frankly, you won't really know whether it's from God, or this is just from the carnal man, or from the natural man. Amen. So say with me, I'm sold out. To God. Now I believe this. That one of the rewards for diligently seeking Him is a fulfilled desire. A fulfilled desire. Now let's look at Psalm 37. And notice with me in verse 4. How to fuel the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. He said here, delight yourself in who? 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? Let's read it together. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, there's a twofold application of that verse. Listen very carefully. First, when you delight yourself in him, he will fulfill the desires that currently reside in your heart. How many of you have some current desires in your heart? I mean, it might to be walking in divine health. It might be to walking in divine freedom. It might be to, uh, you know, have an increase on the job. So as you delight yourself in the Lord, you are in a good position for those things that currently reside in your heart to come to pass. But now secondly, secondly, a deeper look at this verse reveals this. Then if God is your first priority, and if you find joy and pleasure in Him, He will be the one who authors your desires and places them in your heart. He will author plans. He will author visions. He will place it, those, into the heart of men and women just like you. And don't you think for one moment that God doesn't have a plan for your life. Somebody says, yeah, but I've blown it and I've missed it and I've walked away from God. Well, I tell you, just like you walked away from God, you can walk back to God. Listen, the gifts and callings that God has placed on people's hearts are without repentance. In other words, they are irrevocable. Folks, we serve a good God. We serve a great God. And His plan for your life remains. And that's good news. He is the author of paths for you to walk in. And you're never too young and you're never too old to walk in it. To walk in it. Praise God. You may never have a pulpit ministry, but you've got a ministry. You may not communicate your vision with many, many people. But you can get communication from the head of the church and God will join people to you to help what he's placed in your heart to come to pass. I think that's something something to get happy about today. So delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. What I'm saying to you this morning is if you will give him the opportunity, he will ignite a fire on the inside of you that when that fire is followed it will light your way to your calling so listen the key word then is delight he'll put those in your heart but my part and your part is to be delighted amen so thank God what then does it mean To delight yourself in the Lord. Well, let's look at verse 5. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? And by no means do I uh, say that this is the only way that you delight yourself in the Lord. We know that we delight ourselves in His Word. We delight ourselves in the presence of God. We delight ourselves in fellowship with the saints. But very closely connected then 
to him giving you the desires of your heart is you committing your way unto him. Committing your way unto him is another way of saying, delight yourself in the Lord. You say, Lord, I commit my life to you. I commit my way to you. I don't want my own way. I want your way. So when you roll that over on the Lord and you place your life in the hands of a very capable of God and you trust in him, he will go to work at bringing those things that he's placed in your heart to pass. Amen. Thank you, Father. Now, he will do it with our cooperation. But I'm telling you, we serve a God who puts what in your heart. He can also make it and help it come to pass. I've discovered all these years that the less I think about the how and keep my eyes on the who and be faithful to the what, he always causes us to triumph. Amen. If that works for me, that will work in your life as well. So commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will bring it to pass. What will he bring it to pass? He will bring to pass the desires of your heart. Amen. So, are you following me so far? We've got a ways to go. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be ugly about it, but unfortunately, there are so many believers who are weekend warriors. They're weekend Christians. They go to church on Sunday morning and then live their lives for themselves Monday through Friday. They delight themselves in hobbies. They watch hours and hours of television every day. And they use their time pursuing other things than that of God. Well, you know, there's a way out of that as well. It's just simply making the adjustment. Amen? What do you say we just go all in for God? Hallelujah. Just hold your hands over your heart and say, Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning in the matchless name of Jesus. And I'm all in. I place my, hand, my life in your capable hands. Do with me and do through me your will and your plan. So how to fuel then the desires of your heart starts by prayer. Secondly, it continues by you delighting yourself in the Lord. Now thirdly, another way to increase or fuel these desires that God places in your heart is through meditation. Through thinking on and dwelling on and pondering so that you can get a vision on the inside of you what God is saying to you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, you discover when Nehemiah was called to go and rebuild the walls mm -hmm. over there in Nehemiah, yeah. well, the first thing he did is he went on a recon. In other words, he surveyed the walls. He surveyed the city. He was pondering what the plan would be, and he was looking to the Lord on how shall these things be. And so there is power in using your spiritual imagination. Amen? Now, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, we see that Joshua was following Moses. And those were some really big shoes to fill. And so the Lord gave Joshua 
very, very distinct, if you will, instructions on how then that he could lead this group out of the wilderness into the promised land. Now notice with me, in Joshua 1.8, here's what the Lord said to him. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. In other words, ponder, to think about, and to mutter the word, that you may observe to what? To do according to all that is written therein. Read the rest with me. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. So why is he meditating? Why is he thinking? Why is he pondering? So that he can see what to do. So that he can see what to do. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Amen. Now notice. So as I meditate and as I think upon these God-given desires of my heart, it is going to produce the right kind of behavior. It's going to help me to do according to what has been placed in my heart. That will fuel your desire. Delighting yourself in the Lord involves your thought life. Your thought life. Look, for example, at Psalms verses 1, verses 1 through 2. In the Amplified, it says, But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. Habitually thinks upon it. And I want you to notice the first words of verse 3. And he shall be. He shall be. If you think on what God's called you to do, if you walk out the desires of your heart, you shall be. It shall manifest. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in his season. His leaf will not fade or wither. And everything he does shall prosper and shall come to what? To maturity. Now listen to this statement. I've written in my notes. I'm going to read it to you. Desire is like a seed that has been dropped into your soul. It's like a seed that has been dropped into your spirit. If you care for that seed, it will begin to grow. You begin to ask God to cause the seed to grow. You talk to Him about the desire... And then this desire will become increasingly stronger. Desire is just like a fire. It's like a literal fire. If you don't stir a literal fire, if you don't stoke it, it dies down. Now I can remember way, 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 way back, about 37 years ago, when I first met Brenda. And you know, Brenda grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. And I grew up in the city. I was a city boy. And so her daddy, Johnny Edwards, one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. Johnny was a farmer, a hardworking man. He was a man that was full of joy. 
You could hear his laugh throughout the whole house about 5 a.m. He'd be listening to the weather, and he'd be drinking Folgers coffee, and we'd be out like a light, you know. And Johnny would just have, you know, that third, fourth cup of coffee, kind of like Ricky. Ricky has about two or three pots before he gets in the pulpit. No wonder he's so jazzed up. But you could hear laughter throughout the whole house. And we slept in the back bedroom of the old farmhouse. The old farmhouse, has it been torn down? It's been torn down. But the old farmhouse uh, was heated by Johnny Edwards' fires. And he, I'm telling you what, he'd be up in the middle of the night and he'd put another log on the fire and he'd be stoking it and he'd be stirring it. And I'm telling you, about 100 degrees in there. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was so hot. It was white hot. And, you know, you almost had to just throw all the covers off you because it was so hot. Glory to God. Well, delight, folks, is that poker that keeps the fire of desire blazing and growing in your life. Delight yourself. The scripture says that we are to stir up the gift of God. Don't you know that the desires he's placed in your heart, the fact that we are called of God is a gift of God. And so God says, here's what I want to remind you. I want you to stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, and keep burning that gracious gift of God. In in Romans chapter 12, he says, be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Say with me, the Holy Ghost on the inside of me will help intensify... The desires of my heart. That's why I encourage everyone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you have the Holy Spirit in the new birth. Don't misunderstand me. But there's also the work of the Holy Spirit in the infilling of the Spirit. You see, the infilling of the Spirit is important for you to walk out, to obtain and to walk out the desires of your heart. I firmly believe in praying in the Holy Ghost. I firmly believe in building up your spirit on your most holy faith by praying in the spirit. So what is praying in the spirit? Praying in the spirit is praying in other tongues. Now, don't misunderstand me. There is a public side to tongues where a tongue goes out and there's an interpretation of tongues. But I believe that privately and individually, all should obtain and receive the benefit of this glorious gift that will help us commune with God in a greater dimension and in a higher way. See, the scripture says that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, what does he do? He doesn't speak to man, but unto God. However, in the spirit, when you're praying in the spirit, here's what you're doing. You're speaking mysteries. Now, the word mysteries there in the Greek is divine secrets. So when you are, when you have received the Holy Spirit and you are benefiting from his abiding presence in your life and you're communing with God by speaking supernaturally in other tongues to him, you're speaking mysteries, you're speaking divine secrets. And here's what happens. Not only 
will you be edified when you build yourself up by praying in the Spirit, but will enable you to be more conscious of His presence on the inside of you. It'll enable you to pick up more quickly His cues and those things He wants to transmit to you. Amen. But also, there's times when you're praying in the Holy Spirit that a knowing will come. A knowing on the inside of you will come. It's almost as if as you're interpreting your own prayers in the Spirit. I don't know whether you've experienced that before. But in a time of prayer, just praying in the Holy Spirit and praying in other tongues, and all of a sudden, the lights come on. You just know what to do. You know where to go. You know what not to do. You just pray in the Spirit. And sometimes you'll be able to interpret your prayers in the Spirit and get directions that way. But one of the greatest benefits of being a born-again believer is this gift called the Holy Spirit. He said that you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This power from on high is power to be a blessing and power to be a witness. But it also empowers you to pray to a supernatural God supernaturally. It's head bypass. I said it's head bypass. Amen. And I've been trying to get out of my head for many, many years. But praying in the Holy Ghost will keep your head in check. The greatest leadings, Dad Hagen said, I've ever had in my life have come after a time of spending time in the presence of God and praying in the Holy Ghost. Everyone say praying in the Spirit is praying in other tongues. And so you will build yourself up on your most holy faith. You will build yourself up. The desires of your heart, that which burns in your heart, will grow stronger and stronger and be fueled by the Holy Ghost and fire. Woo! Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the fire of God. And the Holy Spirit will keep you between the what and the how, the what and the when. That's where people miss it most of the time. They know what to do, but the wind sometimes wears them out. I said they know what to do, but the the wind wears them out. In other words, when is this going to happen? Between the what and the wind, trust Him for the how and pray in the Holy Ghost and keep building yourself up, knowing, praise God, that though the vision tarry, it will surely come to pass because the God of glory is involved in it. Woo! Glory to God. It'll help you stay encouraged on those discouraged days. Amen. I was reading something uh, last night. I want to just quote a couple of things to you. This is really good. This person said, if you measure your success by whether or not your vision has materialized, you're a candidate for discouragement. Let's read that again. If you measure your success by whether or not your vision has completely materialized, you're a candidate for discouragement. He said, many visions die in the time between the what and how, and understandably so. When how seems out of sight, 
it is tempting to put that out of mind. Why put ourselves through the pain? At some point, it's just easier to lower your sights, jettison your vision, and shoot for a target you have some hopes for hitting. For this reason, it's dangerous to become too preoccupied with trying to figure out how to bring about your vision. Plan the best you can, but remember, a divine vision necessitates divine intervention. Say this with me, a divine vision necessitates divine intervention. Would he originate, he orchestrated, except the Lord build the house. They that labor, labor in vain. So in those times and in those seasons, when you're tempted to be discouraged, you need to be just like David. Instead of yielding to discouragement, get over into the presence of God and encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And you better know how to do it. Because if you're waiting for someone to come along and encourage you, you may be waiting a long time. (laughs) Encourage yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praising in the Spirit. Stirring up that fire on the inside of you. Most people wait until their vision has materialized before they'll consider themselves a success. But you were a success when you answered the call and you yielded your life and you said, yes, Lord, to your will and to your plan. In the eyes of God, from day one, you are a success. Don't ever forget that. I am looking at a successful people who will yield to the vision of God. And that's the tendency of the flesh, is to wait until the big things happen. I submit to you, celebrate the little victories. I know I'm preaching good. I just don't know whether some of you are listening or not. (laughs) I just dropped by to encourage you this morning to start celebrating the little victories. Celebrate the blade. Before the full corn in the year materializes. Celebrate the one getting saved. Celebrate the one getting delivered. Celebrate the one coming. Hallelujah. And just give God all the praise and all of the glory. And don't become enthused with yourself. And stay enthused with your God. And give him all the glory. And he'll take you from one degree of glory to the next. I'm telling you the sky's the limit. What God will do with a life that's yielded to him and with a man or woman that will give him all the glory. Say it with me. I'm giving my God all the glory. Now, there is value, and this is what we're trying to impart to you in these days. There is value of writing your vision down. Mighty quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. I know it's good. I'm just wondering how many people are going to do it. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, 
Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. It says, write the vision. needs to be made plain on tables so he may run that reads it. Amen? So again, I encourage you to write down the things that God reveals to you. Why should I do that? Because it produces clarity. And clarity is an essential element for momentum. When you're clear on the inside of you, then momentum begins to flow, and then you can start running with the vision. You see, we have a tendency to run toward those things that we clearly understand. Now, in closing this this morning, I want to give you a few thoughts, and I'm going to have these written down and pass them out to you next week. But just listen here for a few moments. When seeking God's will, when seeking God's plan and desire, His vision, consider these things. Number one, what are your natural talents? What do you do well naturally? Well, if you've got a vision to be an opera singer and you can't carry a tune in the bucket, forget it. <laughs> Number two, well, I have, a division, I have a vision to be an NBA all-star and you're 60 years old? No. I have a vision to have the largest church in the world. And you've never taught a Sunday school class? I'm not sure. What are your natural talents? What, what do you do well naturally? What do you do well? Secondly, what are your inward desires? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Number three, what are your affirmations and recognitions? What, what do others confirm about it? What do others say about it? can't tell you the times I've had people in my office that have said things that basically they've boxed me out of by basically saying, I know that I know that this is God, and we say, okay, praise the Lord. But what are, others, what are, what are other people saying about you becoming an opera singer? What are other people saying about you becoming a CPA when you've never balanced your own checkbook? <laughs> Amen, Ingrid? <laughs> In the multitude of what? In the multitude of counselors, there's what? There's safety. What are your burdens? What are your passions? What convictions do you feel compelled to pursue? What do you see that breaks your heart? What is it that you see that, that ought to be? And it should be. It could be. And it ought to be. Okay? Number five, what is your fulfillment and satisfaction? What do you deeply enjoy doing? Now, I want to share with you a couple other things. This is uh, components of a long-term vision. A long-term vision. You know, in vision you'll have short-term, intermediate vision goals, but you'll also have long-term vision. 
This is from Casting Vision from Dr. John Maxwell. He says this, Components of a long-term vision, you must have a clear image. A clear image. He said it serves as a blueprint on the inside. You know, if the leader is fuzzy, I tell you, the people are fuzzier. Okay? Components of a long-term vision. Positive change. Does it involve improving present conditions? Does it have a future focus? Does it furnish direction to the unseen future? Is it a gift from God? Is it inspired? Is it not forced or manipulated? Is it for a specific purpose and time? Amen. And then lastly, from the value of a vision, this was done way back in the 80s, but I like what John said about this concerning the value of a vision. How do I get a valuable vision? We've said some of these things already today. Number one, look within. What do I sense here? Look behind you. What have I learned? Look around you. What's happening to others? Look ahead of you. What do you want to accomplish? Look above you. What part does God play? And then this is real important. And lastly, look beside you. What resources are available to you? What resources are available to you? Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Yeah.